0: podcast your home for movie news reviews and movie fan views the podcast from movie fans for movie fans i didn't screw it up this week yes off to a good start yeah all right i am your host ryan dunlevy and join with me as always my co-host rob dunham hey everybody all right lively as always good stuff as you right. can see, I'm not in my normal office space. Yes. If you are watching on YouTube, neither one of us are in normal space. So this should uh, this should be interesting. So uh, we've got a great show for you tonight. We're going to be talking about Mulan stirring up controversy, Liam Neeson defending Jar Jar Binks, kind of. Uh, we look back at great movies from the twenty, from the year twenty ten, and of course our watch list. So, Rob, let's uh, let's jump right in with the first item on our agenda, and that is Mulan causing controversy. Um, so, if you haven't seen it, there have been several layers to this story. Um, the basic idea is that as Mulan debuted, not in theaters but on Disney Plus people notice that in the credits, they are thanking several specific provinces, the governments of several specific Chinese provinces. Now, where that goes awry is that some of these provinces are the locations of where the, how do you say it, like internment camps for for the Muslim Uyghurs that are something really close to it and kin to concentration camps. I mean, not really, really terrible stuff is happening in these camps. And so that caused a tremendous amount of uproar um, about what exactly the relationship was between this film and the Chinese government. Um, further updates have now included um, officials from Disney having to come out and make a statement about it, as well as a bipartisan congressional investigation potentially as to what exactly Mulan's role was with the chinese government so rob what do you make of this mess oh it's the you said the it's right it's a mess and uh
1: i think that off the bat we should acknowledge that uh regardless of what perspective you might be coming from religious or irreligious that the treatment of these people is not okay um yeah. it doesn't matter what you believe. Uh, your belief should not lead to you being treated the way uh, the Uyghur people have been treated. It's not okay. And um, I think that this has been boiling under the surface for a while. I don't know if you know this, but even several months ago, this uh, was starting to become a story because the actress who plays Mulan had posted a, a few tweets about the Chinese government and it was more it it wasn't really didn't seem like her own thoughts necessarily because a whole bunch of different people in entertainment uh in uh, the chinese community were put, uh, posting like almost the exact same thing it was almost like they were told here's something you need to copy and paste into your profile and send out to everybody and so it's it's hard to lay a ton of blame on her for following that but at the same time um Maybe she shouldn't have done that. (laughs) They should have stood up and said, I'm not gonna stand for this. And it does seem that there has been uh, a lack of dealing with and confronting this issue from Disney as they went through this process. And it seems like they're doing a lot of damage control right now when they could have addressed this a lot sooner and probably saved themselves some of these headaches.
0: Yeah, and if you didn't see, Disney came out and basically said, "Hey, we shot a few things like backgrounds and scenery and things like this, and it's just you know you've got to get permits from the government, and it just makes sense to do this uh, to credit them." But most of the movie was shot in New Zealand, but it just doesn't it doesn't feel it doesn't feel right in some ways. Um, and I think what you're starting to see is that you're right, in that it's been undercovered, and it's been under the story has been under. Underdeveloped in terms of what's going on over there, but I think what you're dealing with is you're dealing with what happens where so much of the of major corporations have depend so much on the Chinese market for business that it becomes really entangled um, with their business model and the idea that the that you know even though China is a huge business market that there's still a lot of stuff going on there that's just not good. And and you, you, you guys start to get really, really tangled up in that. It gets really complex and really confusing. And I think you're starting to see that pay dividends or not dividends, but uh, to the cost of that starting to come out. And I think I think it's high time that uh, the company started taking a hard look at what they're doing in China.
1: Yeah, we saw the same kind of reaction and issues uh, pop up uh, early last season in the before times when the NBA players went to China yeah, um, and played basketball there, which never happened now. But um, even then, uh, LeBron James drew a fair amount of criticism for not speaking out against some of the same issues and uh, seeming to defend the Chinese government. And a lot of people had the same uh, line of thought with him, that you're only doing this to protect your business interest and the money that's coming in. Mm-hmm. So it's not a good look. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we'll see what we'll see what comes of this and uh we'll see if you know we'll see if you know what this what this if this makes any difference for any movies coming out in the future with uh, business dealings in China. Okay, let's uh let's move on to a slightly lighter story. Let's move on to Liam Neeson defending Jar Jar Banks. Or he, he actually really didn't do that. <laughs> he really didn't do that at all, actually. Um, in a recent interview... Clickbait. Uh, what? Yeah. Clickbait. <laughs> yes, clickbait. I know. I know. We're not a clickbait podcast, but I couldn't resist on this one.
1: You you have become the very thing you have sworn to destroy. You are the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh so so in a recent interview liam neeson uh was was being asked about his often often maligned uh, star wars the phantom menace role and he was he was asked about the jar jar binks character about the movie itself and realistically what happened is uh liam defended the actor uh name is ahmed best who played jar jar binks and basically stated that because it's the outrage and negative reaction towards Jar Jar Binks's character it actually hurt the actor's career and he thought the actor was a really good actor um he did he did also kind of say he really did like the movie and he liked his role in it and and those sorts of things and I actually thought Liam Neeson was actually quite good in The Phantom Menace Uh, but Rob Jar Jar Binks what what do you think is he well first of all I will accept I will accept no Qui-Gon
1: Jinn slander, first no. of all, because uh, amazing character. Yes. Um, but moving on to Ahmad Best, I mean, he did what he could do with the character. I mean, there was not much in his control as far as how things were developed and the CGI was done and some of the other aspects of his character that initially made him uh, not well-received. I will say that over the years, especially online, there's been a growth of a movement really defending and unironically loving the prequel movies. Um, I think there are a lot of real fans of them out there. I think that it may have started out as a joke, but uh, a lot of there are a lot of real fans, kids who were little when these movies came out, who were transported to another place by them. I, I even remember I was in high school when The Phantom Menace came out. I think I was. I'm pretty sure it was um, like it was either right after my junior or senior year of high school. It was right in there somewhere. And uh, I saw The Phantom Menace in the theater 10 times. Wow. So <laughs> regardless of whether it was a good movie or not, I enjoyed watching it. Um, it was also in the theater for a long time. I think it was like seven or eight months that it was in the theater. So there were many opportunities for me to go see it. Um, I still remember the absolute craze over the Mountain Dew and Pepsi cans with Mm -hmm. uh, the characters from the Phantom Menace on them. Uh, I think if you collected all of them, you could get like a gold Yoda can Mm -hmm. or something along those lines, if I remember correctly, and seeing the soda machines everywhere with the art for the movie on them. And people were nuts about that. Like they were into it. So even though it wasn't the best movie, like, as far as the movie being shot and developed, people still flocked to see it and were still really into it. I mean, it was the first new Star Wars uh, in like 30 years or 20 years, I guess, to that point. And people were crazy about it. And I think that it was unjustly criticized in some ways. Um, it's, they're fun movies to watch. And I think they probably... Uh, were reviewed a little more harshly than they deserve for what the kind of movies they are. And um, Ahmad Best certainly did not deserve the hate that he got for portraying that character. And I know that seeing some of his social media and some interviews he's done that it, like he was hurt to the point of considering suicide. Like that's how devastated he was by the reactions people had to him just trying to do a good job. So I, I definitely appreciate Liam Neeson coming out and having something to say about it because it's needed to be said for a while.
0: Yeah and I think I think there just becomes one of these runaway trains where people start criticizing a character and then everyone piles on and then everyone piles on and it becomes the thing to do. Um, it was kind of before cancel culture but it has that same kind of feel to it where everyone needs to be of this opinion that this character is horrible and terrible. And I mean, I would say he is Jar Jar Binks was mildly to slightly more than annoying. You know, he's just annoying a little bit. And that's, I mean, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. Every movie has got an annoying character in it. And I think there's actually quite a bit, there's quite a few decent things in, in the, uh, the Phantom Menace, like I said, Qui-Gon Jinn was fantastic. I thought the, um, the Sith character uh was fantastic as well underutilized uh but did really well and um there were some other some other i liked uh, i liked the battle strategy some of that stuff was kind of interesting but yeah he's he's just kind of annoying and that's no reason to to pillory an actual actor over it so yeah it's it's good to see Liam Beeson stand up for it okay
1: yeah um should we also should also be mentioned Jake Lloyd has suffered through some real stuff too from he played uh the young version of anakin and um he has basically he's not even acting anymore because he basically had a mental breakdown over the course of years from the abuse he took and from trying to find some comfort in drugs and just some mental problems that he was dealing with so i think people forget that when they talk about movies sometimes they are talking about real people and it's okay to say something isn't good, but it we, we don't need to assassinate people's character just because of them not being a good actor in a movie. It's overboard sometimes, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think I think one of the things that's happened with the Star Wars movies is the expectation is always at five hundred for every single movie. And there's almost no chance that any of these movies is gonna live up to something in somebody's mind that they dealt with forever ago. And and you know you can't. Something just can't come in and and compete with a twenty-year legacy. It's just not going to be real easy to do. And so people just need to, especially Star Wars fans, just to back off a little bit. Come on, guys, back off a little bit.
1: I feel personally attacked. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Uh, so one, one, just uh, little housekeeping note, uh, that we feel like we should mention is, uh, the Batman, which we talked a little bit about the trailer a couple weeks ago. The Batman is back filming again. Uh, we were actually Woo. not on the podcast. Uh, we, we were off for a week when this story debuted, uh, but, uh, Robert Pattinson had, uh, tested positive for COVID. So the production got shut down, but that production is back rolling again. So it's good to see, uh. Good to see that back on schedule. So, all right. So let's talk a little bit about, what, about what's releasing in theaters. Uh, so this week we have a number of movies releasing in theaters. Uh, no Escape, Infidel, Red Shoes and the Seven Dwarves, Alone, About Endlessness, The Racer, and The Nest. A lot, a lot of movies coming out this week. Any uh, Anything catch your eye, Rob? I can say that the only one that I have seen a whole
1: lot about or have been super interested by is infidel. Um, I believe you're uh, planning on seeing that sometime in your future and I am hoping to as well. Um, I'm really interested in seeing, uh, Jim Caviezel act. I think he's a super underrated actor. Um, I don't know if that's mainly because maybe his, Two biggest roles. One is uh, as a character on Person of Interest, so a TV show, so it's not as well known in maybe the movie culture. Um, and then when you play Jesus in a movie, uh, there's a lot of weight with that. <laughs> like, especially if you play in a runaway smash like The Passion of the Christ was, um, I imagine it's got to be hard to be separated from people seeing you as that. Uh, so I always enjoy seeing him act and you know hoping that he gets more and more opportunities because I think he's a quite good actor personally from
0: what I've seen him in yeah I agree that one looks uh, that one looks pretty good I read a little bit about the nest and I thought that might be intriguing that one's playing uh, at a theater uh, close to close to where we're at Uh, So maybe that Um, what I think is interesting is that as you see a lot of the blockbuster movies are are trying to delay and trying to capitalize more you're going to get a lot more indie releases. So there are going to be a lot more opportunity for to see movies that maybe don't hit the normal genres. So there could be a lot more interesting movies to go out and see and uh, might be a little bit of the time of the indie movie in theaters. So. I think we should also,
1: as we're talking about new releases, also uh, just briefly mention that uh, Wonder Woman 1984 has been moved uh, to Christmas Day, uh, December 25th, which is a fairly big move and might have some impact on some other big movies coming out around the same time. But uh, just let everyone out there know, I I know that's one people are looking forward to. So you should know that it's not coming out until Christmas now.
0: Yeah. And I'm guessing, I'm guessing the delay is because Dune is not going to be ready. And so they needed something in that Christmas window. And so moving Wonder Woman to Christmas to fill what Dune was. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But unfortunately, a delay. So let's move on to we're our We're getting discussion. used to that. Yeah, we're used to delays. <laughs> so talking about our discussion. So let's... <laughs> Let's talk about, it's the 10th anniversary of uh, the release of The Town, an early Ben Affleck heist film that takes place in Boston. And Ben was giving an interview recently where he was talking about uh, some of the particular scenes, in particular, the, um, the ending of the, the actual heist scene, uh, where they come, out of, uh, they come out of Fenway Park and the scene where they encounter a cop. And that is apparently, according to Affleck, a, uh, something he directly took from an interview with an actual criminal who planned bank robberies or planned some kind of robberies. Um, I forget which ones. Hmm. So Rob, what, did you, um, what do you think about the town? And do you have any thoughts on, uh, on Affleck's interview and, and that particular scene?
1: Well, the town—the uh, main character of the town is Fenway Park. Let's just set that straight <laughs> first, because you know it's the most important thing in Boston. Um, I've—I have only seen the town a couple times, but I uh, did really enjoy it. A uh, few times I saw it. Jeremy Renner is also uh, in that movie and uh, in early role. It's—it's um, uh, it's got really good pacing. And it's intense. Uh, it's definitely an ambitious story. Like I—I I don't know if that would be able to happen in real life or not, it's hard to know. Um, but yeah, the the scene with the uh, cop, there's definitely like, there's definitely that tension definitely carries through there. And uh, pe- the police in Boston are, you know, not exactly known for being relaxed when it comes to <laughs> dealing with criminals. If you saw the movie uh, Patriot's Day, which also just came out, recently that same kind of uh, theme runs through that where it's uh, we get this done kind of group of people is how it's always portrayed. And uh, so it's, it's definitely interesting to see that go back and forth on screen because Ben Affleck was also playing Southie as it's referred to. And uh, they're also known for not backing down. So Uh, Maybe not the best combination uh, when you run into a law enforcement person in Boston, when you're from that area yourself, (laughs) what do you think?
0: Yeah, I actually, this was, this was the movie. I think that made me think that Affleck could actually be a legitimate director. Um, I thought the movie was ambitious. I like heist movies a lot and this one just brought uh, some weight to that genre. Uh, It's intense. It's, it's pounding. Uh, I think we even mentioned a few weeks ago when we were talking about Blake Lively because Blake Lively plays a fantastic role in this one as kind of a you know, a drugged out ex-girlfriend type thing that the cops trying to get after the, the bank robbers or the, the heist guys uh, through her. And, and so the casting is excellent. The directing was very, very good. The action scenes are intense and fast paced. Uh, this one definitely stands out uh, when we're talking about movies that I've come back to a couple times. It's actually been a couple years since I've seen it. I want to go back and watch it again. Um, but I do love, I do love when, in the interview when he's talking about the, the scene in question is they're all coming out uh, from the heist to go into their getaway car and they're all dressed as nuns and they come out to a car and they're all dressed as, as nuns. And they, they've all got their, uh, their automatic weapons and the cop just sees him and he just intentionally turns the other direction to get out of there. Uh, cause he's like, I want nothing to do with this. I want nothing to do with this. Whatever's happening. It's good. It was, it was a cool moment. So it was cool to see the backstory behind that is that he actually got that from an interview with a guy in jail, uh, that that's something that actually happened to him. So one of the things that this got us thinking about, because we've talked many times about Inception, we've talked about The Town now, I've mentioned Tron Legacy, all of these movies came out in 2010. And since now we are 10 years in uh, from the movies that debuted in 2010, which is just super hard to believe. That's ridiculous. Uh, so we thought we'd take a moment and go back at, and, and look at the, at the movie class of 2010. It's a really, really strong year for movies. So, um, there's a lot of movies that came out that year that maybe you haven't seen, uh, or maybe you, you want to rewatch and haven't watched in a long time. So we thought what we would do is, uh, Rob and I both went through a big, long list of movies that came out that year and picked out, uh, a couple of movies each that we thought are definitely worth revisiting or checking out if you've missed them. So let's, uh. Let's get into that. Rob, uh, let's go back and forth. Why don't you give a, get us started and give us one of the movies from 2010 that you think is worthy of uh, a watch?
1: Well, uh, the first one, as I was looking at the list, <clears throat> that jumps out at me on the list because it's probably uh, in my top two movies of all time that I've seen uh, is Shutter Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've watched it probably 20 times. I feel like I could watch Forever, <laughs> it's it's just incredibly well done. Leonardo DiCaprio, Mark Ruffalo, um, the main characters in the movie, and the way the story is told and the, how it unfolds is, it's just it's a work of art. Um, I think Martin Scorsese just absolutely nailed it with this movie. Uh, I'm a big music person too. Uh, for those of you who might not know me, um, heard ever with a movie when it comes to how it relates to what's happening on screen, uh, every piece of music seems to be tied into what's happening, and there's purpose and reasoning behind it, which I think a lot of soundtracks struggle with. Sometimes it just feels like soundtracks throw together the five popular songs right now to try and be cool (laughs) and this movie does not do that and the coolest thing for me about this movie soundtrack and something that just elevated it to another level for me is that there's a song called on the nature of daylight uh by the composer max richter and he put this song put this song in the movie it's also in the movie arrival um at -hmm. the beginning and at the end so whenever i hear this song like it it makes me emotional just hearing it because it's tied to two of the most amazing scenes I think I've seen in movies. And what they did with this song on the end credits, and a lot of people don't stick around to watch the end credits necessarily, so they can miss things like this. Um, But it plays through the movie as the regular score, but then in the end credits it plays again and they're singing over top of it. And the first time I heard it, I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, they got someone to sing to this song, to, to the melody here. And I looked into it a little further, and I don't know if you know this or not, Ryan, but um, so for this version on the, sound, on the credits on the soundtrack, they used a recorded version of a song called This Bitter Earth, hmm. which was sung by a woman named Dinah Washington and they layered it over the score and the incredible thing about that is Dinah washington died in 1963 wow so they put her singing to this song and it perfectly captures the tone of the whole movie like the lyrics match up with what the whole movie is going for and the combination like just elevates the song to a a different place probably makes it my favorite movie soundtrack song ever in any movie and since i'm such a big music person you know that elevates the movie as a whole <laughs> for me but uh shutter island well i need I, I, I like need to go watch it right now um so good uh
0: yeah. i
1: know that i know that uh the one you're going to talk about first i'm guessing is probably very much the same because i think i know it is but <laughs> what, what do you got
0: maybe maybe not oh. Um, I'm going to go first off with actually with The Social Network. Uh, uh. Yes. The Social Network was a fantastic movie. Uh, it was so well done. Aaron Sorkin is just a fantastic writer. Uh, his scripts are so tight. They're so intricate. Um, it was just a fascinating, it was a fascinating glimpse into uh, into the founding of Facebook and kind of how some of these companies come to transpire. And when you go back and trace it back to the beginning and look at where we're at now with social media, it takes on even more significance. Um, This was also also the first movie, speaking of music, that Trent Reznor did the soundtrack for. and Trent Mm -hmm. Reznor, Nine Inch Nails fame, uh, who is actually a fantastic composer for movies. He's really, really good at it. but that was his debut for that. But the the acting was fantastic. The script was extremely well-written. This was actually, people forget, this was actually the favorite to win Best Picture for a long, long time until uh, the King's Speech came in and stole it there there at the end. But this most likely would have won the Oscar for Best Picture. Uh, So it's worth going back and look at it. it. I think it especially holds up now Uh, Now that we see where Facebook is at and just see what we're at with social media, it just, it holds up and it's worth it. It's worth going back and, uh, and watching it again. What you got next?
1: Uh, My next one is another one of my favorites. uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world, which if you have not seen it is basically a comic book put to film. Like that's the only way I can describe it. Uh, with actual text on many scenes, with crazy special effects. Uh, the way the movie is cut and it flows, it feels like you're reading a comic book while you're watching a movie. And uh, I'm not going to talk too long about this one, because I could talk about this one for days, I feel like, with all the different things that are in it. But it was also one of my uh, earliest introductions to Chris Evans. So that's another good reason to go watch it, uh, he plays the skateboard Lucas Lee. <laughs> and one of the best scenes I'm not going to spoil it for you one of the best scenes of the whole movie is him and Scott Pilgrim going back and forth about his ability to do a certain trick uh, can you do a grindy thing down the rail thing uh, amazing amazing
0: <laughs> yeah fantastic film alright for my next one I'm going with The Other Guys The Other Guys is a fantastically funny movie it is so good there are several on my list of underrated, just laugh out loud, unexpectedly funny movies. And there's so many little ironic, funny moments in this movie. The whole thing is incredible. Will Ferrell playing the straight-laced guy and Mark Wahlberg, the off-the-cuff frustrated cop, um, things like a desk pop. And, uh, and you, have, uh, you have their boss, uh, ex-Batman himself, uh, quoting t l c lyrics randomly throughout the movie <laughs> I mean there's so much random stuff in this movie, including the fact that they the Iraq and Samuel L Jackson are in for a very very brief cameo before they decide to just go jump off a building for no reason at all uh, <laughs> there's so there's just every scene is funny, everything is just unexpected, and there's just It's fantastic. If you have not seen the other guys, you need to go back and watch it because the you will laugh tremendously. It's it's one of the funniest movies that that I that I can remember. All right, Rob, what you got?
1: Uh, The last one that I picked out from the list was 127 Hours, uh, starring James Franco, and uh, it's hard. It can be really hard to write a movie based on a real life event. Um, I think if you said to someone, all right, we're going to make a two hour long movie about a guy getting stuck in a cave and cutting his arm off. Uh, I don't know if many people would be interested in that, but uh, the, the way that it was done is exquisite and tells the story of the guy really well. And the tone and emotion in it is really solid. Um, Another music thing we keep on going back to this, but, uh, there's a song by Sugar Rose in the soundtrack when he's rescued. And that was my first introduction to them and hearing that song for the first time inspired me to start listening to them and eventually led to me seeing them in concert. And when they played that song, uh, I cried. So, you know, it didn't impact me at all. So, you know, uh, yeah, go and, go and watch that. Maybe, maybe that uh, moment in the soundtrack there will hold something for you too as well. But 127 hours, definitely well worth your checking out
0: yeah so i'll finish up with another one um that i think was underrated is easy a we'll go with easy a um that stars um... (coughs) sorry bad for she's my favorite actress (laughs) Oh man, yeah, this is this is going well. So sorry, caught my throat. But anyway, the movie the movie is uh, the movie is great because it's basically like a modern day take on the Scarlet Letter. Um, so they're reading the Scarlet Letter, and a rumor starts popping up uh, that the main character slept with somebody, and it just keeps spreading and spreading and spreading. And rather than um, Rather than taking it out um, and quashing it, she just rolls with it. Emma Stone uh, just rolls with it and, and actually t- decides, I'm going to wear this prowess. So she starts putting an A on her on her clothing and starts trying to dress all racy and, and kind of roll with it. And it's just, it's, it's funny. It's heartfelt. It's got, it's got some really poignant, dramatic moments. Uh, but it really sheds, I like it because it really sheds a light on, on what rumors do and the power of reputation and just the idea of values and, and being true to what you believe. And so it's, it's just a really good movie. It's one of those that if it's on, I will usually check out a few minutes of it because it's just, it's so good that you want to go back to it on a regular basis. So, Rob, you ready for our watch list? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Rob, what, what did you watch this week?
1: So I didn't uh, actually go out and watch a lot, but today um, I had the really exciting experience to be able to um, watch Cloud Atlas at the same time as my brother watching it for the first time, mm. which was a really cool experience like technology is awesome because i was able to watch on my ipad while he was watching in his house and um i wanted to watch it with him because i wanted to get his reactions live to things happening on the screen if you haven't seen uh, cloud atlas uh, it's basically like six different stories all woven into one movie and they're all interconnected in different ways Um, it's very dense it's very long uh it had a big budget it was like 115 million dollar movie and only made a little bit over 140 i think so critically it didn't do very well but i there are reasons for that like it's a long movie it's very drawn out it's dramatic um so i'm not surprised at how it was received when it came out in the theater but for me it's one of my favorite movies it's probably my top 50 i have to we're gonna have to do that sometime, some point. We're gonna have to have like a top 50 back and forth over a few episodes of movies. Yeah. Um, but there, there are so many lines in it that are powerful. The themes in it are powerful. Uh, the music is powerful. Uh, it's just an incredibly well done film. So I would recommend if you haven't seen the cloud Atlas to check that out, uh, be prepared to be sitting down in one place for three hours. Yes. <laughs> It's not for the faint of heart. (laughs) How about you, Ryan?
0: All right. So I also, I've been on vacation, so I have not had a chance to go to theaters like I was hoping to. Uh, However, I did get to watch several movies with my family. And it's always fun to get to watch movies with uh, with someone for the first time. So the two of them we watched this week were uh, Yesterday and First Man. Uh, Yesterday was... The film about, and the premise is basically um, the power outage, the entire world has a power outage, and um, this struggling musician during this power outage gets hit by a bus. When he wakes up in the hospital, um, he's the only one who remembers the Beatles, and so nobody in the world had ever heard any of the Beatles music, and so he decides he's going to quote-unquote write the, the Beatles songs and bring them back and he becomes a world famous musician on the back of playing Beatles covers and it's it's a really cool movie uh, if you love the Beatles you have to check out the movie it it's got some of that quirky British humor in it um, but it's got some really really heartfelt poignant moments one in particular kind of comes out of nowhere at you and I won't spoil it because you want to be able to to see it the first time, but it's it's really heartfelt and it's really poignant, and it really provides a lot of emotional depth uh, to to the movie. And it was done by Danny Boyle, who uh, directed uh, *Slumdog Millionaire*, so he's uh, it's a quality direction. It's it's really really good watch. Um, it's a good family movie, good for anybody to watch. Uh, and the other one was First Man. First Man was the biopic uh, starring Ryan Gosling of uh, Neil Armstrong. In particular, Neil Armstrong's journey to become the first man who walked on the moon. Uh, so really, really was a very, very well done movie. It takes you, it spends a lot of time just talking and showing on screen the intensity and the sacrifice and the danger of what these men were trying to accomplish. There's many, many scenes where some of the other astronauts and some of their other compart- uh, compatriots um, are killed in various accidents and various training things. And it really does a good job bringing out the sacrifice and the risk these guys were taking to bring the, the moon landing into a reality. Um, it's certainly not a perfect film in that there were some moments that they could have or should have shown and didn't. Um, Gosling famously gave kind of some dumb comments about it at the time that that ruffled some feathers. But the movie itself is really, really good, and it really gets you into the depth of Neil Armstrong. Have you seen either one of those, Rob?
1: I have not seen either of those yet, so I I should check them out.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
1: I have HBO Max now. I I can watch yesterday, so I should uh,
0: I should get on that. As a musician, you, you you definitely want to check that one out. All right, so let's move on to this week. Um, movies that we're hoping that we're going to get a chance to see this week. Uh, so I'll go first on this one. I am hoping to finally see Bill and Ted Face the Music. I was hoping to get that in last week and didn't get the chance, but I'm going to make it an absolute point to go see Bill and Ted Face the Music. Um, and if I have a chance, to, I'd also like to see Infidel. Um, i agreeing with your comments uh about that movie and uh i'm, I'm looking forward to that one as well rob uh, what are you going
1: it's gonna seem lazy but i'm gonna have to go ahead and copy you because <laughs> i, I want to see both of those movies too um there there are uh i have several streaming services through myself and through family uh so i should probably look through them and Watch a couple of movies that i haven't actually seen yet too so uh yesterday being one of those and maybe uh some others that i can come across there's an endless variety out there of things that we could watch
0: so um make an effort this week to watch a few things yeah and i'm uh, i got the prestige up here as well i'm hoping to get my family to watch that before the week is out we'll see how that goes mm. all right rob got anything else I'm good. All right. All right. Well, that's good for me. Let's end it here. Uh, Thank you for staying with us on the Film Fans Podcast. Do us a favor. Give us a comment. uh, Subscribe. uh, Leave us a review. Rate us. Whatever. Uh, We're on all of the major podcast platforms, and on YouTube. So if you like watching us instead of just listening, check out our YouTube channel and visit filmfans.com. We've got several articles up there right now, including our full review of Tenant. So until next time, enjoy the movies. Bye.